Welcome to the Spiritual Boss Podcast with Melanie Dawn, Jen Anderson, and Tanya Ryan. So a lot of the things that I talk about come to me just before I fall asleep, which makes a handy relationship with my phone, making notes for the next day. That portal between wakefulness and sleeping has been a beautiful opportunity for me to look at last night is what heals me. And I've been kind of butting up against my partner is that I go through something that I elaborately share in great detail And he meets me with, yeah, baby, (laughs) literally every time. And I say to him, you're not listening. And he said, no, I listen. And I was like, well, what did I say? And he's able to repeat back almost word for word, everything that I say. So I do know that he's listening, but what I'm asking for from him and what I come to know and what I wanted to ask you today is what heals us? What is our medicine What are we looking for from the connection that we have with others or the connection we have with ourselves? And for me, even if he was to package up what I said and just put it back to me in his head, he's saying, well, I don't have a solution for you. That's what he said to me is I don't have a solution for you. So I just agree. And he's like, I don't say anything else. So I don't move on. I'm just like, he's essentially what he thinks he doesn't know this word, but holding space for me, but I'm looking to be mirrored. And so for me, my medicine is to be mirrored. And then there's a paradox to that. (laughs) I also like to be by myself. So (laughs) there's this girl who's dying to connect, who dies to be seen, understood and mirrored back. And then the one that wants to not be seen and go hide. So I have to be really intentional about what I need in that moment. And maybe it is a book mirroring me back. So if I didn't, this has happened for me because I spent a long time alone before I had Jai. And what I found my solace in was books. I have, my books are like tarot scattered around the house. They're all split open at a certain point. And then whenever I have a moment, it's always, uh, just pure magic. I'll pick it up. I'll read. And it's exactly what I needed to hear in that moment. So I, I love that, that I, if I don't have people, human friends that I do have friends in books that are able to still mirror me back and also meet the need of being alone. And then last night, as I was thinking, I was like, not everyone understands what they need to heal. Not everyone understands what their medicine is. And so I know you, Tanya, are really reflective. So I was curious, what is your medicine? What do you do to heal? Well, can I speak to one thing about like your partner relationship? That Oh, yeah. Yeah. So it just sounds it sounds like what you're looking for in those moments is active listening, because a part of active listening is basically when someone takes it in and then more or less paraphrases your feelings back to you to kind of go, hey, Mm -hmm. this is what I heard you say. Is this what you're saying? Just so that you can go. Yeah. And then you just really feel heard and listened to. And it might be um, like a relatively simple solution for you and your partner if if 
you guys did look into some tools on active listening, simple ones, like simple ones where it's just like basically that he paraphrases mm-hmm. back to you a couple things you said, maybe some of the major points and goes, so what I'm hearing you're saying is you feel really alone or what I'm hearing you saying is you feel really unsure about this decision right now. Yeah, that would be really hard. And it's like kind of this active listening, like, yes, I heard you and I validate that you have these feelings or that these feelings are worthy or, you know, worth having kind of thing. Yeah. He's very short. Like ideally I think you could teach him that, but to put it into practice, I think I just, I know that he's listening to me, but it's that mirroring back. Right. So on the other side of active listening, we have fertile listening and that's where this person that you're speaking to just holds a significant amount of space for you. Doesn't interrupt you, recognizes you with their body language and doesn't offer anything back. So he's excellent. He's like a plus 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 in fertile listening, (laughs) but linguistics aren't his thing. And so this is where I have to learn, okay, I'm asking for what I need. Like, just tell me what you heard me. So even if I say like, well, what did I say? And then when he says it back, I think of really just dying to see myself through someone else's eyes, dying to be, or I shouldn't say dying, but like I'm exaggerating and dramatic all the time. So dying to be heard and and that mirror makes me feel supported. Yeah. Yeah. The water (laughs) sign. I I, honestly, actually, I think that's like what astrology is for me sometimes just because this is a good segue, I guess. But um, it it feels like you get to be seen by something or someone else is just not alone. This is like you. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, yes, that totally resonates. That does feel like me. That's why we we connect so much with people who are like us, right? We'll go towards each other because our wounding is the same or what we're, we're needing to be validating is the same. And sometimes that makes for blissful relationships. And then sometimes it makes for an explosive combustible ending because you're both needing the same thing. Totally. It's, it's that, uh, the paradox of the yin yang sort of, um, paradigm. Um, what I've noticed Okay, so I've had these really cool um, experiences lately, and this is the the revelation has have come to me through reading for others. So, and this happens a lot when I'm reading tarot, is I'll read mm-hmm. for you, um, and I forget ninety eight percent of the reading, but there'll be something in your reading for me too, and yeah. then I remember that part or that aspect or that detail, or sometimes I have to write it down if I have back to back readings, mm-hmm. but. What's come up actually a lot with readings lately, and I, I find it fascinating, and it resonates super deeply with me, um, and it's sort of, it's a little bit of a tangent off of what you're asking, like the what heals you kind of concept, um, but also is still parallel enough, I think is relevant, um, but is sometimes we, we think that what is healing is going to be the absence of of what feels taxing. So for, for instance, for the people that I've been reading, um, obviously just <laughs> nature of the business, you end up with a lot of empathic people, a lot of intuitively sensitive people. You end up with a lot of like people who are used to holding space or being that emotional outlet for people. Now, like when we talk about this, like paradigm, cause it can be the best thing and the worst thing. Um, those people that are, that identify that way, that's, that's their superpower. That's their gift. That's their lot in life. If they were to stop being those healers, stop being those space holders, stop being that emotional outlet for others. If they were to not do that, 
they would kind of like shrivel up into a state of nothingness because that's that's what they're here to do. Mm-hmm. So when they get, they get burnt out or they get taxed, they think I'm, I'm doing too much of this. I need to stop. I need to draw boundaries and I need to stop giving myself away like this. And that's only partially true. What it actually is, so the boundaries is real, but it's not that you give less time, space, or less of yourself. What it is, is you make sure that you are doing or putting time aside for putting energy aside for putting space aside for the stuff that makes you happy. So holding space for people isn't actually the problem. It's not a leak. It's not a drain. So doing less of it isn't going to make you feel better. What's going to make you feel better is something that brings you joy. Mm-hmm. So I think what I've noticed that heals me is going, if I'm feeling taxed or burnt out, and at this time, for me, this is more specifically um, in my home, um, caring for my child, um, being a wife, like that's where I find I get kind of like drugged down. But the answer isn't doing less of those things, but it's actually evaluating myself. What am I not gifting myself for time? Like, what am I, am I having enough fun? Am I having like enough time to do things that make me feel ambitious, that kind of like spark that inner fire within me? And answer is usually no. Like if I'm feeling burnt out with my family, it's not that I need less time with them. I don't need them to go away. It's not that they're a problem or an inconvenience. It's that I am not carving out enough time to be myself or to have that like I identity is not a great word for me right now because I don't feel like I have one, but um, (laughs) but it's like putting time to into me. So um, anyways, I just like, the reason I think this is relevant right now is because again, we, we think of life like this linear math equation. It's like, well, I'm giving too much. Therefore I need to just stop giving so much and then I'll feel better. But that's mm-hmm. not the answer. Like this is, and this has come through in so many readings is it's no, it's not. The answer is not giving less. The answer is doing more for yourself. This comes up in like diet too. I find like, um, we think like, oh, I'm not eating very well. I need to stop eating X, Y, Z because those foods I deem to be not good for me. But is it is it that you need to stop eating those foods or do you just need to eat more of these foods? Mm-hmm. And they'll naturally balance each other out. Like if you're eating more of the foods that nourish you and fill you up, it will balance out those other foods and everything mm-hmm. will kind of like level itself out. Obviously, I know there's some nuances to that. That's just an analogy. People don't come at me if there's like... <laughs> there's some Isn't it interesting in uh, from a client perspective or looking at client base, how whatever we're our current work is, is who our clients mirror back to us, or it's whatever our perception sees in that moment. It's like, there's a symbiotic relationship between the two. They come so that you can see yourself and and they come to see themselves in you. It's a a beautiful, beautiful gift. I never feel burnt. Like, so on the other side of that, um, doing more for people doesn't ever make me feel burnt out. But when you're, so let's go to emotional pain. So you've just experienced something just emotionally traumatizing. What is your go-to? Is it fun? I I would say my go-to and what heals me are probably polar opposites. And (laughs) another dynamic I was going to speak to with yours, because my go-to would be isolation. My go-to would be, I'm hurting, I want to be alone. But then there's a part of me that wonders like, but is that some sort of response like you know whatever is that a childhood response where it was like oh you're having yucky emotions go to your room be by yourself and come I'm not comfortable with this yeah Yeah. um or is it 
or is it, and I know, and that's again, not verbatim. I was, you know, raised in a healthy home, but it was, it's, it's, but that's kind of the message that gets delivered, whether it was with good intentions or not, it's the message that gets delivered as you have ugly feelings, go be alone. Yeah. So I think our parents my, just didn't know how to be comfortable with those feelings either. They were never taught that. Right. There's no tools there. There's that's, that's how it's going to have happen. And, and that's okay. Mm-hmm. We're just going to have to learn those things now. And Everything is for gods. It really is. (laughs) So um, I think, yeah, my default is isolation. Is that what heals me? Probably not. Mm -hmm. So I definitely find a lot of healing in talking for sure. I know that um, speaking is like verbal processing is huge just for my mind for first off. So just being able to speak to someone get I can hear myself talk and I can usually kind of like you know unravel through that what if Um, Tanya what if you don't have someone safe to talk to like have you ever had this where you don't have someone safe to talk to or someone who really won't understand how would you process it in a talk way is it journaling or totally write a song (laughs) well yeah right period Yeah. Um, I think when I don't feel like I have a safe audience, then, then it goes into, it goes into, it goes on paper. And then the nice thing about that is, is when I'm in, cause I don't, I won't share in that space just cause it's a little too volatile and I can't, um, well, we, we've talked about in, uh, in other episodes, how being in an emo- a very emotional space is maybe not the best place to make decisions. Yeah. Um, so I will write, and then rest and then hopefully rebalance. And once I'm rebalanced, I can look at that piece and go, huh, well, maybe this piece, I can publish this, put this out in the public, and this might be someone else's mirror. So this might be the safe space someone else can go to. Yeah. And it always is, isn't it? You'll always get like people being like, oh my God, I needed to hear this in this moment. It's so crazy how that works. It's, it's like, a like, there's really sensitive issues. Like people can get really triggered by like, um, like I had a pretty volatile postpartum depression experience. Um, I have, uh, struggled with suicide idealism. I think it's called ideation ideation. Thank you. Yeah. Um, and so those are the things that talking about them in the moment, you it's, you're hard pressed to find someone that can hold space for that. And, and I get it. It's scary and it's hard. And so I don't even have the expectation that someone can hold space for like some of those feelings that are, are really, really heavy and really, really big. So they go on paper, um, you know, figuratively or literally. So that it's my computer or my journal, um, and then when I feel rebalanced and I think that might, maybe there's something there, then it, yeah, maybe it goes out and it, and it's like, Hey, then this is, this is a place someone else can go and feel seen even whether they want to publicly post and say, Oh my gosh, I've been there. Or they just see it and go, Oh, I'm not alone. You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And even with your, uh, postpartum experience, I remember that there was like, those there the scales were pretty far apart where it was like I see you uh, that's me and then others who were just steeped in judgment and it was interesting to watch that it was interesting to watch the judgment come I think that's that's a the biggest reason why when I share those dark things Mm -hmm. (laughs) I have to be in a balanced place because if I'm not in a balanced place and then you get harshness like that it it could really send you off in the wrong direction so I only 
publish or post when I'm in a, in a, like a balanced space, which is interesting. That's, and that's, I think a huge reason why I acted, I haven't published a blog in over a year and I'm pretty sure that's why is like, I'm like, I don't think I have recalibrated to a space where I feel like I can take hits on either end of the spectrum here. Cause you're, you aren't just going to get stuff that's like, Oh my gosh, I totally see you and understand you. And I've totally been mm-hmm. there. Wow. That's amazing. You have to be able to like, kind of hold space for both cannons. <laughs> and it's that- such a risk. Like it's such a huge emotional risk to share. And I think when because it is such a huge emotional risk to share. I think that those people who are triggered and judge, they view that as like they they would never do something like this. So please go do it somewhere else. And it's it's so ironic that uh, human beings who have the ability to feel compassion would see someone clearly struggling in their post and then offer them a hand that slaps them in the face. <laughs> You know what, though? I think it's, it's that, um, okay. So it's conditioning. Let's go back. Yeah. Let's go back to the childhood thing is that, Hey, ugly feelings go in your room. There are some of us that are going, well, I don't think that's how it should work. Like, I don't think that just because I'm having ugly feelings, I should disappear. Or is that really the answer? Like maybe these feelings would actually be better being out here and open. And like, this is like, this could totally digress off into a, um, a conversation about sexual assault and how much we've silenced victims yes. to say like, don't talk about that. That's not nice. That's not pretty. And then what happens is we create this. Or that didn't happen. Yeah. Or that didn't Changing happen. Their reality. But all we do is now facilitate the perpetrator so they can comfortably operate because their secrets are kept. So I think that there's those of us that are like, Hey, I think we need to shed light on this in order to heal this or make this, um, like a different, like there's, there's a different option here. And then there's others who are like, no, I was taught that ugly feelings go away. Yeah. And so ugly feelings go away. So if I can't air my ugly feelings, then you can't air yours. Only time cures ugliness. Basically. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just going to shove this underneath the rug. Yeah. So you, you can see how our, our healing medicine is talk. Uh, and I, I thought we would be the same. And I know even if Jen was here, she would also probably be talk. But so if our healing therapy is talk on that far right of the spectrum, I'm actually glad you brought this up because it gives us the opportunity to look at how the others that may not be their medicine. There's maybe something different what they're working through with healing. But it's coming out as um, just a conditioned reaction. I'm uncomfortable with this, so I must hurt you. Or, but yeah, there's uh, healing comes in so many different ways. Um, another thing that I, I, I know that I go to, for, especially, is music for healing. I go to look to be mirrored back in music. I'll go find music that mirrors my current emotion, my current thoughts, and then I um, I really resonate with that. That's that's a healing space for me too. Do you use music? Musically talented co-host? <laughs> no, definitely. I, I mean, I think we all have those like movies or songs or whatever. Oh, movies, that, yes. That will go play that just like, this one's going to make me cry and I need yeah. that right now. <laughs> There's yes. that, like cathartic. Wait, yours is Forrest Gump, right? Oh my gosh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> I love Forrest Gump. So Tanya and I have clearly had the talk, like what, what makes you, mine is, and I know now looking back, mine is P.S. I love you and I just really craved that deep.
deep kind of love that lasts beyond the body. And for me, P.S. I love you. It just like, oh, the tears. And then they took it off Netflix, so I can't self-torture anymore. I, I ugly cried in P.S. I love you, but... Yeah, it's funny because it's yeah, it's not it's not my go. I mean, I saw Bugly cry in Forrest Gump multiple times. Maybe that's why Forrest Gump is so cathartic for me is because it's like I get I get multiple hits of the <laughs> of the two. <laughs> I get a, I get a few I get a few kicks at the can. I think what um, what I like that we've unraveled in this conversation is like the difference between what heals you versus what's your default, like what's your fallback as far as like when you're in a, like an emotionally vulnerable state or you've been, you know, like, uh, I don't want the word triggered exactly for this conversation, but, um, but basically like you are feeling very emotional or vulnerable. I think it's interesting to even reflect on, is this my medicine or is this my default? Mm-hmm. Like, is this my coping yeah. mechanism? Is this my learned behavior? My programming. Yeah. Because, okay, so, and if we're both talkers, do we mm-hmm. have, like, other, okay, we got music, we got movies. What other, like, do we feel like there's any other healthy outlets of healing? Uh, I also, when I, when I had the, um, me, me and my partner parted for a moment, I also was really compelled to dig in my garden and, uh, you know, I do a lot of women's work, which is a deep relationship with the earth. And I think it started there in 2019 is that I just really felt how nourishing it was to have my hands in the earth. And another thing is walking. Uh, I had to avoid music at that point in time because I would choose things that would, uh, you know, take me into the pit of despair. So what I did do was I eliminated music. I eliminated anything that I couldn't control that could send me off into an emotional tailspin. I dug in the dirt. I talked to my friends. I didn't drink. I didn't have cannabis. Everything became very pure for me. And I walked a lot, a lot of walking. And just like that steady repetition of my feet hitting the floor was just the most healing thing that I could have done. I think one of uh, your talking got me to a place to one of another resource uh, or coping mechanism, I guess, um, medicine <laughs> for me is, is learning something new. So is like focusing my attention and my mind on something that interests me or feels constructive or feels fruitful or, um, cause I definitely like, I'm thinking, okay, yeah, when I have been, or I work, but I think that's a, that's a, I was going to say they're both kind of distractions. <laughs> yeah. Well, well, kind of on the, the edge of like healthy coping mechanisms. It's a healthy one though, right? Yeah. Like yeah, they're healthy. And if you need it to get you through, it's better than smacking someone in the face who is hurt. <laughs> if it's you need substance it. abuse, it's, you know, yeah. there's a spectrum of coping mechanisms here. Yeah. And sometimes you do need to get through that first hit 
and then it goes through that the emotional work. Okay. And so learning something new is going to activate uh, both sides of your brain. It's going to take you out of uh, your subconscious, which is what you remember. And if it is like a relationship thing, I'll, you know, even going up my stairs, I was like, this is going to be the, like, you know, you're picturing like the ghost of the person past. And it was, uh, or even my dog and my cat passing, those were... And I alone, both times my kids went with their dad for that weekend. So I ended up processing that alone both times. And most of it is just like doing the real ugly work, the crying, the talking, the writing, the um, just being with all of the things and holding space for yourself. I'm crying thinking about my dog. (laughs) I I have an analogy for this. Okay, so if we get some sort of mortal wound, the hardest part, or like pretend there was no such thing as anesthetic, the hardest part would be cleaning it. So yeah. maybe we think about like the really raw stuff, like talking and just sitting in the emotional stew and the crying and the being with the feelings. That's like the cleaning of the wound. And then we have those practical things that ground us that kind of, and that's like, we have to stop the bleeding. Like it, it's a necessary part of the experience. It needs a stitch. Yeah. And so maybe it's kind of almost this like spectrum or journey of healing. Um, And then there are, of course, like coping mechanisms that like unhealthy coping mechanisms that would technically more like band-aid a wound that really needs to be clean and sutured. And instead we band-aid solution and ultimately that festers and becomes, you know, whatever it becomes. But Mm -hmm. I think, yeah, if it never heals properly, it's always, it's an ugly scar. Exactly. And, uh, and one we can then pass on to future generations if we, <laughs> we don't tend to it. We can embed it in our DNA. How yeah, lucky for them. Send that off to the following. <laughs> Be like, here you oh. go. Here are my genes. You get a yeah. skinny, a skinny Here's nose. the trauma I didn't process and, so you can. And my trauma. <laughs> Merry Christmas. Well, uh, oh, no, it's happy birthday. Happy birthday. Happy birthday, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, do you have any parting thoughts or anything you want to, like, wrap up on? No, I'm, like, in a full state of emotional distress about my dog. <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> okay, well, we'll, we'll sign off, and then we'll talk. <laughs> um, well, thank you for joining us on this emotional episode of the Spiritual Boss Podcast. We appreciate you listening, um, and we're so grateful for the communication that you guys give us, for the shares. Um, if you can review, if you listen on Apple Podcasts and you want to review the um, podcast, it, it helps with us in the algorithm. Sharing episodes, sharing the podcast, we so appreciate that. If you want to get in touch with us, we're on Instagram mm-hmm. and also spiritualbosspodcast at gmail.com. Peace in. Peace out.